Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Emmy Kirshner. On today's show, I interview the one and only Jody Flynn of Women Taking the Lead podcast, one of the top-rated entrepreneurial podcasts rated both by Entrepreneur Magazine and by Forbes. She is also an Amazon best-selling author, and her book is Accomplished, How to Go from Dreaming to Doing. Jody is an executive leadership coach. She's a speaker. She's a workshop facilitator. And on the show today, we talk about her perspective in taking time off and how it can contribute to making more money, having more energy, more confidence, and better leadership. Check it out. My name is Emmy Kirshner. I'm a serial entrepreneur and investor. The one thing that I get asked all the time is, how do you achieve success in business and make an impact? In each episode of the Tribe of Leaders podcast, you'll hear from entrepreneurs and visionaries who share how their leadership has changed not only their lives, but the lives of everybody around them. Jody, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. You are just an amazing coach. You work with entrepreneurs and middle managers, and you help women really avoid burnout and stress. What is your secret? <laughs> I love that question, Emmy. Well, yeah. first, let me say I'm honored you asked me on your podcast, Tribe of Leaders. You speak my love language, that is for sure. My secret, it's so funny. We were just, I said this word just before we hit record and it was baby steps. Right. Okay. You know, that is my secret. Like people like, you know, probably listen to my bio or hear my bio and they're just like, oh my gosh, she's done so much and so much time and those accomplishments and they're Mm -hmm. so big and... And I've done more. Like those are just my professional accomplishments. You know, I also have personal accomplishments too, but nothing happened overnight. Like it was all baby steps, like just setting a goal and doing a little bit every day to move myself Mm -hmm. forward. And cumulatively over time, I've been able to accomplish the things that I have. And you know how it goes. Like you take some baby steps and you build momentum and you gain more confidence, and then it's more enjoyable to work towards the goal. So a lot of that happens in tandem with what I'm doing. So, you know, if somebody's feeling stuck and like they're not getting where they need to be going, I'm going to say, take a step back and just look at what's the next thing you can do that would move you forward in the direction of your goal. Right. Do you feel like we tend to look at the big picture too much and not focus on those baby steps? I think so. That's where the overwhelm comes from. And it's not to say the big picture isn't important, right? You have to know what your destination is going to be, right? You got to know what you're shooting for. But once you've done that, once you've said like, you know, I'll give like a personal example, like I want to run a marathon. Okay. That's what you want to do. What's the plan? to get you there. Now focus on the next thing you need to do to execute your plan. And it might be to go buy some sneakers. Right. Right. And that's the first step in 
running, ultimately running a marathon or even researching sneakers online might be Mm -hmm. the first step in it. But if we're constantly focusing on like, oh my God, it's a marathon. Oh my God, it's a marathon, 26 miles. I'm only able to do this much right now. And then what happens? You're overwhelmed. You feel defeated. It's too much and you don't move forward. So at some point you do have to like stop looking at the destination and focus on what can you do right now today to move yourself forward? You know, and I think that's so important because I know I've done it. I see my clients doing it, but it's, we're still like trying to cram 5,000 things into 24 hours. Yes. (laughs) And that too creates the overwhelm and keeps you from seeing what should I do just today? Mm-hmm. I, you know, and the whole concept of time is so interesting. I'm going to botch this, but there is a saying I've heard before that we, you know, overestimate what we can get done in a day mm-hmm. and underestimate what we can get done in a year, you know, something like that. So we, we have, I mean, I do it to myself all the time too. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm also human and I will put 10 to do's on one day thinking that's going to happen, right? Nothing's going to come out of the woodwork. You know, nothing, there are no curveballs. <laughs> curveballs never happened in my life, you know, but I'll still like have this grandiose idea that all of these things are going to get done today because I've overestimated what right. I can accomplish today. But I, if I looked at my calendar a little bit more, put more transition time in my calendar and white space so I can absorb some of those curveballs. Mm-hmm. I could accomplish a tremendous amount in a couple of weeks, you know, and looking at it from that perspective. In fact, I've had the experience of, you know, rather than trying to accomplish this one goal this year, maybe I make it a two-year goal. And all of a sudden, like the stress went away because now it went from feeling just totally impossible and I was torturing myself and, oh, I was going to have loose sleep and you know not be able to have a personal life and all of that. And then all of a sudden, like it opened up like, oh, in two years, this is definitely possible. And I think that's the trap we can fall into, especially as entrepreneurs and even people within corporate who have like big dreams of getting promoted really fast, right? We look at who's done it, right? And we go, oh, they did it in a year. I should be able to do it in a year. Not even looking at, were they an anomaly? Is that the norm? Like, right. So we look at people who've got these crazy awesome businesses and sometimes we don't even think about, well, how long did it take them to get there? We we just think we should be there right now. Do you think that breeds a lot of self-doubt too? Because you don't hear about the backstory of the six years and the three businesses that failed before they made it big or the jobs they had from a corporate perspective. Yes, absolutely. Self-doubt is definitely caused by that because, you know, I think people are calling it the Instagram life, right? Like you look on Instagram and everything's so beautiful and filtered and perfect. And you don't see, you don't see the behind the scenes. And what I love hearing are stories from say Brene Brown and Oprah, where they talk about after I became successful, I had this horrible period where I was just like incredibly doubtful. And, you know, Oprah even talks about at the height of her career becoming depressed, mm-hmm. you know, because she didn't feel successful enough. Like right. she hadn't done enough. And it's a lot of comparing ourselves to other people. And it's comparing ourselves to this perfect image of what it should be. And that is, in essence, like perfectionism. Right. 
like that. That's the standard. It's that or, and the thing with perfectionism, there's no gray areas. It's either perfect or it's crap. Right. And that's, can we all relate to that? You know, cause I'm a recovering perfectionist myself and my clients are as well. And, and, oh, and I am too. Right. And, and that's why the, the tagline of my podcast is all about overcoming self-doubt because primarily the women I'm interacting with have this per- perfectionism trait in them. And so even though they have tremendous accomplishments, awards, accolades, trophies on the wall, certificates and degrees showing how amazing and wonderful and, you know, just what they're capable of in their heart of hearts. They aren't good enough. They haven't earned it. They don't deserve all of this because it wasn't perfect. And because it's not perfect, it's crap, right? And we can, in moments, go, well, I know that's not true. Well, do you live it? (laughs) (laughs) You can know it's true, but do you live it? Do you feel it in your heart of hearts? Believe it? (laughs) Right? Do you believe it? That is the key. And when we hold ourselves to this perfect standard, we can never meet it. And so we're never good enough. And so self-doubt plagues us, even though we are incredibly smart, talented, capable, accomplished, experienced, mature, you name it. You are everything you need to be to accomplish the next thing. You'll have those moments of doubt of like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I can do it this time. I think people are going to figure out I'm a fraud, you know? (laughs) I might have the wrong answer if it's not perfect. Oh God. And then they'll know, then they'll know, you know, they'll think I'm stupid or they'll laugh at me or, you know, I'll, I'll be revealed or whatever is going on in our head, whatever that core fear is. Yes. And I see that all over the place. I mean, I know you work with a lot of overachievers, but I think most entrepreneurs somewhere along the line are having that experience on a regular basis of, I don't know enough. I need to take another course. I need another thing. I need another certification mm-hmm. um, to validate that they actually do know what they're doing. Yeah. And well, you know, entrepreneurship is a risk. It is an adventure. You know, you're, you're, you're essentially like a scientist running an experiment. Like, is this going to work? I don't know. I mean, there's an assumption that when you have a nine to five job, that there is not really a risk, but typically you have that feeling of safety because you, you come in and there are essentially safety harnesses and instructions and the expectations are very clear. If you do X, Y, and Z, you will be that, you know, you will get the raise, you will get, you know, you will have exceeded expectations. It's, it's very structured. And so it feels safe with an entrepreneur. It's like, you can do everything you're told to do, right? What all the air quotes, right things are, and it still might not work out because it doesn't work for your ideal client and it doesn't work for your product or service that you're providing. And so you have to tweak and pivot and tweak and pivot and tweak and pivot a lot. And that can leave you with an experience if you don't have the right mindset of I'm failing, I'm failing, I'm doing this wrong, I'm wrong, all of that stuff. And so I would say, yes, because of what they sign themselves up for, entrepreneurs are very much vulnerable to this experience of self-doubt. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's the place where you have to get past all of your limitations in order to be successful. (laughs) 
Yes. Limitations. Yes. I, I think you may have heard me say, Emmy, that entrepreneurship is the most robust personal development program you can put yourself through. And it happens on a minute by minute, hourly, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. Like you are constantly bumping up against the things within you that hold you back. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's interesting for me as I've grown, and I'm sure you've experienced this too, is that it's really about finding each little kink in like the train and just unwinding it Mm -hmm. as opposed to going down that path of, you know, oh, it's not right. It's the wrong thing. It doesn't work. It's really the problem solving. I think that the mindset that at least for me keeps it fresh. I'm like, I can figure this out. Yes. Yes. And I find that the answer isn't far from where you are. Like there have been times when, you know, I thought I was like going after or, you know, seeking to attract the wrong ideal client, or I was providing the wrong product. And so I would do a massive shift, you know, to, to fix that problem only to ultimately come back to something that was very close to the original concept, just a little bit different, right? And, yeah. and, and that's the evolution of a business, like, you know, and why the more you are in business, the more you're able to niche down because you learn so much about your ideal clients that you end up like being able to really focus and really market and attract those specific people. But when you're first starting out, it's like working with a blank canvas. You're like, oh, I guess we'll start here and see see how this goes. Spaghetti on the wall. (laughs) Yes. Yep. (laughs) So I want to transition into burnout for a minute because Mm -hmm. I know it's something I've experienced in the past and I'm much better at managing that and kind of maintaining what I've at least what I'm seeking is like that high peak performance state on a you know regular consistent basis. But, you know, how can somebody or what can they do to help prevent burnout other than taking time off, which I know most of my entrepreneur friends don't do. Right. Or they <laughs> so. do, they say they do and they're not really. Yeah. Oftentimes when I ask my clients when they first start working with me, like, okay, well, what are you doing to take care of yourself? And they'll bust out laughing to start, you know, and blah, like, ha 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 ha, take care of myself. Well, does eating on a regular basis count, you know? And it's, it is tough, you know, especially, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're at a pivotal point in your career, you're thinking, I need to double down right now. Like this needs me. This is my baby. It requires a lot of nurturing. And I get it. You know, entrepreneurship is also very close to birthing a new baby. I mean, I'm not a mother, but I've heard women who are mothers and entrepreneurs say, this is my other child, you know, and sometimes it requires more attention than my actual child. And, you know, we're very familiar that when you are first birthing and in those first few years, a child requires more of your attention than at any other time. So we can all recognize that this, there is going to be some sacrifice. So there is, how do I want to say this? You can take care of yourself while you're in this phase of your business. You just kind of bake in activities throughout your day. You know, first, identify the activities that energize you and renew your energy. Whether it's like you take a three-minute break 
to like put on music and dance around your office and just let go for that short amount of time. Or you go outside to get the mail so you can get Mm -hmm. fresh air. You know, a lot of times it, it is those things, meditating, going for a walk, meeting up with a friend for tea in the afternoon, gardening, aromatherapy, having flowers on your desk, like little, little things that you can do that affirm that you're worth taking care of, right? Because that it's important to send ourselves the message that I'm worth this time to take a break or do nice things for myself. So anything that brings you joy, settles your nervous system and provides an oasis from the chaos will help to prevent burnout. I would say also setting boundaries about what you are giving your time to. Right. Make sure that what you give your time to is forwarding your goals, renewing your spirit and in alignment with your values. So and if not, either end the agreement or the situation or change your time investment. Now, we all have friends who every now and again are going through a crisis and need our time. That This is not what I'm talking about. Yes, you need to, you know, those things are important because at the end of life, we're never going to say, gosh, I'm glad I really just didn't help my friend out in that moment because my business was way more important. No, I'm talking about the things like if you're volunteering on a board or you've agreed to take on extra responsibility within the household, like it might be time to renegotiate some of those things if they are not in balance. And especially with the time you volunteer, if it's not in alignment with you. I even on a regular basis with my build, business building activities, we'll take a look at what is the ROI that I'm getting out of this? Have I put the proper amount of time to know whether or not this will provide a good ROI? Because there are some things like networking, it takes time and you might have to invest two or three years before you know whether a certain networking group is actually going to be able to perform for you based on what you're putting in. But also, you know, there are other things I do to build my business and I'll take a look at, is this worth my time? Am I getting anything back from this? So really important to set boundaries around what you're giving your time to. And lastly, I know this is going to fly in the face of what everyone wants to hear, but take time off. It's counterintuitive, but it's so important. Even if you have a new baby that, you know, you have to be able to allow people to babysit your baby for a little while and you're hurting yourself and your business if you don't, because there's also the principle of diminishing returns Mm -hmm. that if you don't take a break and unplug and restore yourself, you can work harder and harder and longer and longer but what you're able to accomplish in that amount of time will go down. And I even had a client who, you know, would not take time off, even though like he was starting to display some health issues and he was stressed out and he was like, he definitely was like, yep, I'm burning out. I'm burning out. And I'm like, take time off, take time off. And he's like, I can't, I can't. We, we did so many things to look at the pros and cons, you know, as a coach, Emmy, like sometimes you, you try 10 different ways of approaching the problem to see if they'll give and he would not do it. And one day he passed out and got injured you know, from the fall as well. And instead of having time on a beach to relax, he spent time, he took time off in the hospital, right? right? Because this is what happens. If you don't do it proactively, the universe will make you take some time off. Yeah. You and I are so aligned in this area because it's, I, first of all, love taking time off (laughs) with you before. Like I was just away last week and you know, I, I was still thinking about my business and I did do a little bit of work, but it, 
I really did not do anything else. And I feel more, you know, just recharged. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's so important. Like you can only work so hard, so fast, so long until your productivity drops off and you're really not accomplishing anything. Right. Right. You, I mean, you know it when you're in that state of just being tired and you're getting foggy brained and you know, you're pushing your limit. Mm-hmm. I do it sometimes too, where I just stop and I'm like, what am I really accomplishing here? And in that state, I don't know about everyone else. I'm more likely to write bad emails, typos, you know, like I'll send emails and people will reply back. Like, I don't understand your email. Cause, and then I reread it and I'm like, I don't, well, I should have just shut down my computer and wrote the email in the morning, right? Cause that's what happens. It's like, you know, I know the feeling of this is so important and I have to get this done, but you have to pay attention to the red flags because you'll only hurt yourself in the long run. And there's nothing wrong with being human. There's nothing wrong with accepting your limits because if you do take care of yourself, I'm telling you, you will go further faster than if you just keep push, 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 right. pushing yourself. No, I agree like so much. Partly because too, like, I mean, and with your client, like something always happens to right, enforce the rest or the slowdown or the whatever. And I've seen it with some of my clients. I had one uh, woman that I was working with and very similar conversation. And she finally got the flu so bad. She was in yeah. for a week. Yep. And then she had to come home and like stay home for a week. And she could have been in you know Disney world with her kid instead. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's heartbreaking when it happens, but there's a party that's just like, well, there's the vacation um, we've yeah. been talking about, but unfortunately it wasn't that enjoyable. No, no. So for somebody who's like, thinking about, you know, I've been pushing and pushing and pushing and now maybe they're hearing this for the first or second or 10th time, because I know we're not the only ones talking about this at this point, Mm -hmm. is that, you know, what can they do to start feeling more comfortable in giving themselves permission to take time? Because I think women particularly are like, oh, but I've got my, you know, not only my business, and my clients and my team and whatever else is going on there. But then it's my friends and my spouse and my, my kids and the laundry needs to get done. And, you know, the list is endless. Mm-hmm. You know, how do they let go? Well, it's curious because there's a couple of different things that could be going on here. They could be playing the martyr. And I have a couple of clients that fully acknowledge, like, I am, I'm the martyr. Everybody needs me and I need to be needed. And, but they end up, and you'll know this is you if you do enjoy taking care of people. They're typically people pleasers, right? They want to accommodate. They want to take care of people. And their hearts are in a great place. Like they want to make sure everybody is getting their needs met and they're happy and healthy and whole and all of that. But what happens with the martyr is because they're not taking care of themselves, they are modeling for other people how to treat them. Mm-hmm. And so other people don't consider them because they don't consider themselves. And this is typical of the martyr. They will say, I'm taking care of everybody else and nobody's taking care of me. They didn't, you know, I did all this stuff for their birthday and then nobody even called me on mine. But you're modeling for people how to treat you. So if you don't show people that you take care of yourself, it won't occur to them to take care of you because they think you're fine. And by taking breaks and by saying, I need help or I need a break, I need somebody else to do this for this week, you know, so I can take a break. They're just going to assume 
you got it. You're good. And I have friends who I know from our private conversations, how much strain and duress they're under, but they're not communicating that to their family. And then I'll go to one of their family functions and they'll be like, the family will be like, Oh, give it to her because she's total, she's got it. You know, she's, she takes care of everything. And I'm like, Oh my God, don't give it to her. She's going to kill you. (laughs) Right. But if you're not communicating, your inner state, if you're not communicating and resentment builds up and anger builds up and it can implode, there's nothing wrong with saying to people, I I need to take a break for a little while. And people, this is the thing, as much as we love to take care of other people, other people have that feeling too. So by letting other people take care of you, you are allowing them to have that same experience that you love. So it's actually by accepting help, you're actually giving somebody a gift. I say the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) We're very aligned. Yes. And for me at least, and maybe you have a different perspective, but this martyrdom rolls right into your business and Mm -hmm. becomes a leadership style that I think can really you know, keep you from growing and realizing like the vision and the dream, you know, and the reason why you started the business. Yes, it it can definitely flip, right? Because a lot of us are service providers or, you know, or we have products that help people take care of themselves. And, you know, again, all coming from a great place with a lot of heart and a lot of love. But eventually, just like in your personal life, in your business, it'll turn to your team or your clients wanting so much from you and needing so much and you're taking care of everybody and nobody's taking care of you and da, 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 da. right? And that, that will kill the experience, right. or you know? Yeah, I say, or you're, you know, you're trying to like DIY it and <laughs> everything on and not delegate and not give those gifts. Mm-hmm. I prefer to with gifts of opportunity. Yes. I actually had a client who was definitely like feeling burnt out in her business and was like, when she came to me, you know, she said, I'm either going to have to take on a partner or sell my business because I, I just can't keep doing this the way I'm doing it. And, you know, through the initial conversations, we identified she needed to take time off. She needed to be away from the office a little bit. It's totally counterintuitive. She started planning a vacation. And just from the work we were doing and the conversations she was having with her team, she realized the problem was she was micromanaging and not letting them do their jobs. And when she took a step back and told them, I have complete confidence in you. I know you're going to do a great job. You know, and she did. She hired really well, but didn't like allow it to unfold. Didn't allow these people to bring their talents forth and their, what they were really capable of. And then one day we got on a call and she says, you know, Jody, I think I'm in the way. Because when I'm not in the office, they do great things. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you feel like... It was like her her own lack of confidence that she was micromanaging or was it something else? I think there is a sense, especially when um, you're a business owner or, you know, like we talk about, like you're type A, you just are that ambitious go-getter, perfectionist, especially if you're a perfectionist because, right, your standards are so high. And if other people are not perfectionists, you you know, or even they're perfectionists, but they do things differently than you do, you're like, they're doing it wrong or they're not doing it to my standard and that sort of thing. They can, they can pull it back. And I think 
in this case with this woman, I don't even think she gave people a chance. I think she had so many experiences of I'm the one who needs to do this. I need to be in all the meetings to make sure everything's happening the way it happened. And you know, it's really funny. I mean, I'll share this with you too. I remember one of the things she complained about in the beginning was my team always looks to me for the answer. Like instead of, you know, somebody, a client asks a question, they have the answer. Instead of just answering the question, everyone looks at me and I answer the question. I said, huh, funny, what's going on there? And it turns out like she did have this mode of if somebody did something wrong, she became very upset. And so nobody wanted to ever give the wrong answer or make a mistake. So they were becoming timid and shy, even though they had the answer. And I was, and so we talked about how can you change that? And that's where she started communicating with her team differently and having meetings with them and saying things like, I have complete confidence in your work. And if you make a mistake, we'll fix it. Don't worry about it. Because you can't have a culture of people taking initiative and having no tolerance for mistakes at the same time. They cannot coexist. A culture of creativity, innovation, and initiative require flexibility and a threshold for being able to deal with mistakes in a very productive and professional way. Right. I think, at least what I tell my team is, like, I expect you to make mistakes. We're all going to make mistakes. It's how we handle them and what we learn from them that I care about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's it. And it's really helped my team open up and you know try new things or at least propose ideas like, hey, I don't know if this is going to work, but let's yes. give it a shot. This is my thought process on it, et cetera. And I think, when, as you said, when you open that up and you're more flexible, it really allows your team to grow more, more closely. And they'll be willing, more willing to step up and suggest ideas too, right? That could be helpful for your business. And something popped into my head too. So I just, I want to say this out loud because some people might be saying, I tell my team to take initiative. I tell them, you know, that I want to hear from them. If they're not, take a look at maybe some of the nonverbal cues you give them because sometimes it's the nonverbal cues that it doesn't matter what you say. If your actions and your body language is in your facial expressions are not backing it up, they're not going to hear what you have to say. You know, because I remember a, a time in my corporate career where I told people, yeah, uh, my office door is open. Come in at any time. You have questions. That is no problem. And then one of my, the leaders on my team came to me one day and she's like, oh, some people have like an issue and she came to talk to me about it. And I was like, why didn't they come talk to me about it? Why did, why did they wait this long and then send you into my office? And she's like, can I give you some feedback, Jody?" And I was like, yeah. She goes, when people come into your office, you don't stop typing. I don't turn at that time. And this was, you know, younger in my career, I learned a good lesson with this one. I didn't stop what I was doing to greet the person who came into my office and face my body towards that person and stop what I was doing and listen to what they had to say. So even though I was saying in meetings over and over and over again, if you have a problem, come to me, I'm here to listen. But my behavior was sending a completely different message. So I would say as a business owner, as a leader, if you're saying something and people are not you know, doing it, they're not following your lead. Take a look at what some of your behaviors might be that's sending them a different message. 
You know, I think that's absolutely brilliant because we don't see what we're doing and then we wonder why we're getting the results that we're, we're getting. Right. Or we, you know, like at that time, I like in my head, I, yeah, I was still like typing a response to an email or working on a report, but I was listening. Yeah. I wasn't looking at them and I was doing something else, but like at that time, I truly believed I was was listening. So sometimes it does take that feedback. It's not always awesome to hear feedback like that at first, but it's so valuable. It's such gold. And like the difference it has made in my leadership, getting that feedback, it's been invaluable. Yeah. How has that changed? Like getting feedback either from your team or clients or even in your, your previous corporate life, how has that made you a better coach and a better business? Oh my gosh. I, I can't, I don't even know where to begin to answer that question, Emmy, because <laughs> I would be nowhere if it wasn't for the feedback I got. And in fact, I am constantly trying to think of ways to get more honest, more critical feedback. Because up until now, even though sometimes it might at first might be like, ouch, you know, <laughs> like, oh, that stings a little bit or it burns. Upon second glance, I'm like, this is so helpful. It's so invaluable. Like the example I just gave, you know, so when I'm in workshops, you know, and I hand out the feedback form at the end, you know, asking questions about what worked and what didn't work, I will say to people, please don't think about me when you're writing this feedback form. I go, on the one hand, I'm going to promise you, you can't offend me, you know, and I've, I've done this for so long. I don't take it personally. I go, who I want you to think about is the woman who's going to sit in your chair next. And what would be valuable for her? I love it. Right? Because it isn't about me. Ultimately, yeah. this, this feedback I'm getting isn't about me getting a high five or a pat on the back. You did a great job. Or, you know, tearing me down because I, you know, didn't have enough visuals or anything like that. That's great feedback. You know, I got that feedback last year in a workshop I did. Like, you know, I'm a visual person. You know, when you talked about this and this concept, it would have been helpful to have a visual. <gasps> Yay, gold. You know, I hadn't even thought of that. And I would, I would have changed nothing right. if I hadn't gotten that feedback. So as much as possible, yes. Like I said, I am trying to think of ways to get more honest, more critical feedback like that example because it is priceless. I mean, we always want to feel like we're doing a great job and, you know, that sort of thing, but that's not what feedback is about. (laughs) No, it's it's not. And I think like, and you shared a perfect example, but it allows you to serve in a different way. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, particularly with presentations or anything that you're you know, writing or speaking on, like it's in our heads, we've got it memorized. So at some point it's like the thing that you've edited 20 times, like you're just not seeing it the same way. Right. And we all have blind spots. We all have things we don't know, we don't know. And the only way to cure that is to have somebody point it out to you. That is the only cure. <laughs> so. so thank you so much. This has been amazing. You've shared so much with us and I think there's so many takeaways for everybody right now. I know you have a gift for everybody. So can you, and I'm I'm really excited about this. Like I want to get it. So yes. Okay. So (laughs) 
What I'm offering is a tolerations, a deep, I call it a tolerations detox. And it's part of my system that I take my clients through. And we, you know, we've been talking about energy and, and how to get more energy back in your day and be more productive and focused so that you're, you're using your time efficiently. Well, I will tell you, there are things in your life that you are tolerating that eat up energy every day for you to just be able to avoid them. Right. right. And it could be the light bulb that needs changing. It could be the form you need to fill out. It could be the client you haven't had that that conversation with, you know, and all these little things. But there are hundreds of little things that we are tolerating all the time and they steal our energy. And if you can identify them and tackle them one by one, right? Baby steps. It's not about overhauling your life all at once. This is a baby stepping process. One a day, people, one a day. Yeah, you will get so much energy back. So you can find that at womentakingthelead.com forward slash tolerations. And it's T-O-L-E-R-A-T-I-O-N-S and enter in coupon code Emmy. EMI at checkout and you will get that. Now it's already on the website at a smoking hot deal, but I am telling you this detox changes lives. So you are going to want to do this and it's super simple and super easy. Absolutely. And we will put the link in the show notes so people can just click on it and get it. So yeah. And it's funny you said that because you know, I'm getting ready to move and we've got the last like little details of, oh, there's a light bulb over there that actually <laughs> changing <laughs> this little thing. Yes. And, you know, it's, I just made a list the other day to like, you know, remind myself that those things actually need to get done. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, it's so funny when uh, I always hear stories when people are selling their house, all of a sudden they're doing all these projects they've wanted to be doing for years. And then when it's all done, they're like, well, the next person's going to get to enjoy this house. Yeah. Yeah, we did. I did some a couple of years ago because it's been a process, but Mm -hmm. we just, I repainted a huge amount of the house. So yeah. It's all good. It's all good. Also, um, share with everybody where they can find you. That's really uh, important, right? Yes. My hub is womentakingthelead.com. And there you can find the all the social media buttons and platforms. So connect with me. I love hearing from people. So connect on the platform you're most comfortable with. And if you want to shoot me an email, I'm at Jody, J-O-D-I, at womentakingthelead.com. I love, 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 love hearing from people. So please reach out. Yes, please. And also, I'm going to give you a shameless plug. Check out your podcast, Jody's Podcast, Women Taking the Lead. I've been on a couple of times. Mm-hmm. An absolutely amazing podcast. And I think you were in Entrepreneur Magazine or Entrepreneur.com as like one of the top rated entrepreneur podcasts to listen to. Yeah, like, and, people. and recently Forbes too. I was just named in Forbes as well. Yes. So critically acclaimed, I'm going to like do a shameless like, yes, yeah. like I've been acknowledged. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. Well, thank you again. This was amazing. And um, I always love having you. I'll have to have you back on again uh, sometime soon. Absolutely. I mean, this has been my pleasure. And for those of you listening, thank you so much for playing along. I hope this was of tremendous value for you. Yes, I know it was for me. So thank you. As an entrepreneur, do you ever feel isolated? Like you're just grinding away and not getting to the place or reaching the goals that you want? 
Maybe you've realized that you just spent days, weeks, or even months trying to accomplish something only to figure out that the answer that you have would have saved you all of that time. I know I've had that experience and my clients have as well. And that's why I created the Tribe of Leaders Biz School. Get the accountability, the training, and the knowledge base in a community of like-minded people who are there to support you. Go ahead and check it out. It's thetribeofleaders.com. Leaders.com.